with grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We're continuing our walk through the book of Isaiah. Uh, sometimes I like to call it the Gospel of Isaiah because it, it's just such beautiful text. And the promises of God that are illustrated so vividly and so beautifully are wonderful in Isaiah. And so to start this off, I want to ask you this question. What's the best invitation you have ever received? To a, a party, maybe a, a, just an incredible wedding. Can you think of something? The best invitation you've ever received. Some years ago, back in fact, I remember, it was October 2002. I received the best invitation I've ever gotten. See, I grew up five miles from Angel Stadium, where the, it used to be the California Angels and became the Anaheim Angels, and now it's the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, which is horrible, because they're like 30 miles from Los Angeles, right? And I grew up five miles from the stadium, and I loved the Angels. I followed the Angels. Um, Doug DeSensei's and Don, Don Baylor and, and all those guys, and it was just awesome. Wally Joyner. It was fantastic. But... A lot of heartbreak in those years. A lot. I remember when the Angels were one strike away from the World Series. And they lost the Red Sox. And I went in my room and I cried. I even had a relative who played for the Angels. My mom's cousin played for the Angels, Larry Harlow. You remember Larry Harlow? He didn't play much for the Angels, but he was on the team, okay? And I remember listening to the radio one night, and they sent in Larry a pinch, pinch hit, and he hit a home run to win the game, and I'm oh yeah, my little transistor radio, yeah. So in 2002, I'm a pastor in California, and I'm watching game six of the World Series, and they're down four runs to the Giants in the seventh inning, and I said, oh, here we go, it's the Angels all over again. If they don't win, it's the same, you know? And I just turned off the TV. I turned off the TV. <laughs> and one hour later, my brother calls me up. Wasn't that the best game ever? I'm like, what? They came back? They won? Two days after that, it's a Sunday. And I'm at church. This guy comes up to me. He says, hey, Pastor, I was online this morning, and I snagged tickets to game seven tonight. And I got an extra one. You want to come with me? We had a Sunday evening service at that congregation. <laughs> and I said, I, I can't. I, I have to preach tonight. He goes, well, can't you find someone else to preach for you? I'm like, it's, it's eight hours away. He's like, well, there's lots of pastors in this area. I'm like, I can't call another pastor to preach for me so I can go to a baseball game. I, I, I can't do it. And, and he goes, well, you know, you could get sick. <laughs> I'm like, get behind me, Satan. I can't. I'm like, dude, I'm the pastor. I can't. I can get sick, but I can't get sick, you know? I just, I can't do it. So I had to turn down a ticket to game seven of the World Series. Oh, heartbreaking. What's the best invitation you've ever gotten? One that you actually could accept. What's the best meal you've ever had? Best meal. 
Maybe at some great restaurant you've gone to. Maybe a meal your grandma used to make. Remember, my grandma used to make French toast. And she made the best French toast in the history of mankind. And you'd wake up in the morning, you'd sleep at her house, you know, wake up, and, and she'd have the French toast cooking, you could smell it in bed, and you'd hop out of bed, and she'd make your French toast. And if you didn't eat enough, she would, like, scold you. She's like, your little cousin Mikey, he had ten pieces. So I was like, okay, Grandma, I'll give me more, right? It's the best meal you've ever had. The best party you've ever been to. Can you picture it? Can you taste it? And Isaiah 55, Isaiah describes the best party ever. It's the best party ever because it's in heaven and God is the host. And God is preparing the meal. It says this, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come. Buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me. Listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Isaiah is inviting you to the best party ever. And God is host. And God is cook. Can you imagine God on one of those cooking shows? I don't know what God makes, but God wins the cooking show. (laughs) It's the best party ever. And it's free. It's free. There are a lot of images of heaven and a popular thought out there today. It usually involves clouds, harps, and boredom. It's just boring. And, and that's never the image of heaven in the Bible. Never. No clouds, no harps, and never, ever bad or boring. It's always beautiful. In John chapter 14, Jesus says heaven is kind of like it's kind of like home. And not just any home. It's a home that Jesus himself has prepared for you. Heaven is like home. Don't we long for home? In Revelation chapter 22, or chapter 21 rather, it says heaven is like a beautiful city. And when we live here in the mountains, we're like, no, 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 I don't want heaven as a beautiful city. Because I've seen city, and I don't like city, and that's why I'm here, right? But this city's phenomenal. The walls made of precious stones. Gold is the asphalt. The most incredible city you've ever seen. So think of New York City, and then think the opposite, and that's heaven. And in Isaiah, the image of heaven is often the best party you've ever been to. In Isaiah chapter 25, it says this, On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove His people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. 
And that day they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice at this incredible party and be glad in his salvation. That's heaven. Isaiah 53, heaven is a party. And Isaiah doesn't focus on the, the party aspect in this part. He focuses on the free aspect. It's a party. And it's a free one. And guess what? You're invited. So how did we get here? How did we get to Isaiah 53, where you are taking part in the best, I'm sorry, Isaiah 55, where you're taking part in the best party ever imaginable, and you're invited, and it's all free, it's all paid for. Well, to get to Isaiah 55, you have to go through the gateway of Isaiah 53. And this is the gateway. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, that he was stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds... We are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's the gateway to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 53 is the gateway to Isaiah 55. So the party is free, and the party is phenomenal. But just because it's free for you doesn't mean it was free for everyone. It cost Jesus quite a bit. How many of you have hosted an incredible party or wedding? It's great, right? A little painful, though, wasn't it? It cost. It cost a lot of time. It cost a lot of planning. And oh my goodness, it cost money. But it was great. be invited to the best part of the world, it's free for you. But there is incredible cost. And Jesus bore it all. He bore it all on the cross where he died for you and for me. So that our sins could be washed away. That we could be made clean and his and whole. So God could say to you, come on in. Come to the party. Your ticket has already been paid. And you are most, most welcome here. The party is free. It's not free for you. I mean, it's not free. It's free for you. It wasn't free for Jesus. I was thinking about this last night at a fundraiser I was at last night. The fundraiser was Operation Restored Warrior. And their mission is to restore and to... I forget the actual statement. It's, it's to heal veterans. 
23 veterans a day take their own life because of post-traumatic stress disorder. 23 a day. And uh, what Operation Restored Warrior does is they have a five-day intensive for just five veterans. And they go through this intense uh, healing experience where they encounter Jesus. And they go to what they call the point of the pain and allow Jesus to heal them. And they've been doing this for some years now. A couple hundred of these veterans have gone through the program. And these are all veterans who have been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. They are all veterans who have been either ordered there by a commanding officer or who've gotten there, but they've all been in trouble. And after they've gone through uh, this one-week intensive, uh, they've all been healed. Not one of them has taken their life. It's pretty phenomenal, huh? And so they had a fundraiser last night, and it was like an alumni, so people who had gone from, from previous what they call drop zones were there, along with people there to support the fundraiser. And they showed a clip. Uh, it was a clip called the, Hort, from the movie The Hornet's Nest. And reporter uh, Mike Betcher was embedded with this one uh, uh, division when they became under attack in Afghanistan. And so the camera is rolling live during a firefight. And um, the, the, it's moving everywhere. People are ducking. You can hear bullets flying by. People are shooting. Uh, they're cussing like crazy. And um, it's pretty intense. In other words, it's the exact type of thing that would trigger uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And they show this clip. And sure enough, within about 20 seconds, you see this veteran get up and walk out. I'm thinking, yeah, that would do it. I mean, I'm getting anxious watching this thing, and, and this guy experienced it. He gets up and he walks out to the back of the room. Within 30 seconds, there are four other veterans right there by him. And they're praying with him. They're praying out loud, and they don't care who hears. And one has a hand on his shoulder. And the other one's on the other side. He's got a hand underneath his arm. And they're not just spiritually holding him up. They're physically holding him up. And while this is going on, there's a, a veteran um, who's sitting at a table in front of us. And he doesn't go to the back. But I'm watching him. And he's doing this. He's scanning the room. He goes one side. He scans to the other side. Let's watch They turn the clip off and they talk some more. And then they show a clip at the end of the movie where they're saying goodbye to uh, six of their comrades who had died in this firefight. And the same veteran is, is scanning the room again during this clip. And sure enough, he sees a guy, a couple tables in front of us, and this guy just has his head down He's kind of shaking a little bit. This veteran gets up. He walks over to that guy. Puts his hand on him and they start praying. I was struck by that. Because here are these men who've experienced horrible, horrible things and have seen horrible, horrible things. 
and they're on the lookout. They're on the lookout for those who are still wounded, who are still carrying scars, and they're watching out for them. And when that one, that soldier, that sailor, that Marine needs help, they step in and they fill in the gap. As I'm watching, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this is the image of the church. This is what the church is called to be and to do. That we are on patrol. And when someone goes down, we step up and we fill in. We fill in the gap. And it might be prayer. It might be physical support. But always on the lookout. Always scanning. Always looking. Always searching. That's the church. That's who we're called to be. And so often we're not. So often we're not. And sometimes we're not because we don't feel like we're qualified. And we're not quite sure what to do or what to say, or or we feel uncomfortable. So I want to give you a little encouragement today. Those Marines who were in that room were not given sensitivity training. Trust me. They were not given sensitivity training. They they just weren't. Um, A pretty rough crowd. But they saw the need, and they stepped in and filled it up. Brothers and sisters in Christ, We are the church. We are the hands and feet of Jesus in this place and by the grace of God and by his providing around the world, even Cuba. We are the church. And God has given to us the task of encouraging the weak and upholding the wounded and giving strength to the strong. That's our mission. And sometimes when one of us is hurting, we step up, especially if it's, it's a noble hurt. You know, a spouse has passed away or going through a financial crisis or something like that. But we're, we're there. But sometimes we're not so good if it's a not-so-noble hurt. It's the guy addicted to a, you know, pornography. It's the, the wife who has, who has left her husband and a couple kids. And we tend to say, oh, well, that's not good. We're going to walk away from that because, you know, they're bad. <laughs> and I go to church. And the truth is, God's called us to stand. Uh, to stand with those who are struggling, not because they are good, but because one person is, and it's Jesus. And we all need Jesus. Apart from him, none of us are good. We all need Jesus. We all need Jesus. And it should come as no surprise when one of us falls or falters. It's not like those those Marines and, and Rangers over in Afghanistan are shocked when they get shot at. Like, whoa, what's this? Someone's shooting at us. This is crazy. What's going on here? They expect it, because they know they're in a battle. And we're in a battle, too. 
Uh, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, he put it this way. He says, your enemy, the, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So be on guard. Be on guard. And when one of us falls, falters, and stumbles, we're not surprised. We're not shocked. We step up. We might step up in accountability and saying, I love you. I love you so much to let you know that what you're doing is hurting you and it's hurting those around you. And I want you to know this because I love you. If you want me to be there for you to help hold you accountable, let me know because I'll be there. We do that in our small groups. It's one reason we encourage small groups. So you walk together in a, in, in a team, a platoon. And when one falters or one falls or one just is going through a tough time, you're there. You're ready. And someone else is scanning the room to see if there's anyone else. Because no one gets left behind. Church, this is your mission. This is your calling. It's your calling, it's not because you have to. But it's your calling. Because you've been invited to the party without cost and for free. The table is huge. There's place, there's space for plenty more. There's a story. And the story says that in hell, there's a banquet table. The banquet table is about five feet wide and as long as as far as the eye can see. And on this banquet table are the finest of meats and the best of wines. On this banquet table in hell, there is the most delicious food and drink you can possibly imagine. But here's the problem. In hell, the utensils are three feet long. And your hand is tied to the end of your fork. And you can grab the food, but you can't feed yourself. Because your fork is three feet long. That's hell. The story goes that in heaven, there is a huge banquet table. And the banquet table is about five feet wide. And it is as long and as far as the eye can see. And on this banquet table, there is the best meat and the finest of wines. The best food you've ever seen in your entire life. But there's a problem in heaven as well. See, in heaven, the utensils are three feet long. And your hand is tied to the end of your utensil, your fork. And so you can pick up the food, but you can't feed yourself. But you can't feed the person across from you. And you feed them, and they feed you. And that's heaven. We are the church. And God has placed the church on his earth. And God has placed this church in this place to be his people. To be in mission. To be on a mission. And that mission is sharing the love of Jesus with those around us in real, tangible ways. It's for those who are hurting. 
It's for those who have fallen. It's for all of us who need Jesus. It's all of us. Because Jesus has given us the incredible gift of life with him. The best party ever. Even better than Game 7 of the World Series the Angels won. Even better than that. He's God is good. And Jesus Christ has won the victory already for you. Because he has defeated death in the grave. And the tomb, my friends, is empty. Amen? Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord for life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song here.